0: Hello and welcome back to the Generation Collaboration podcast. I'm Sanakshi. And I'm Brayden. And today our conversation is about equity in education. I believe this topic is super important because I've never seen teachers that look like me from like a South Asian background. And I feel like everyone should have a teacher of the same race and or identity or someone that you feel comfortable with and can establish a connection with. I wanna see teachers and students be more vulnerable and establish a connection beyond the surface level. No matter what the student's background, race, gender, economic profile, or family history, each student deserves to have the resources to achieve their education goals. And that's what we hope to see in equity in education. Today, we'll
1: be talking to Mary Kay Bjork, a teacher at Grandview High School, and Devonte Parker, a podcast production intern at Youth On Record and a senior at Northeast Early College to share their leadership stories about intergenerational change in Colorado, especially when it comes to equity in education. Before we jump in, if you haven't already, subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media at CO Young Leaders. We hope you enjoy this episode of Generation Collaboration.
0: Okay, so I wanted to start off today's podcast with Bjork and Devonte by asking each of you what you believe equity means.
2: So um, I believe equity. So I believe equity in a sense is kind of like integrity in a, in a sense, just doing what you're supposed to do, you know, when nobody's around or like, you know, you see something on the ground, you're like, it looks good, you know what I'm saying, but it's not yours, you don't pick it up. That's so. In a sense, what it, what it means to me, just like how holding yourself accountable.
1: Yeah, thank you, Devante. Of course.
3: Well, I would say as far as in the education setting, equity means that all kids just get the same opportunities. That no matter what socioeconomic place you come, no matter what gender. You represent, no matter what religion or race, that all kids deserve the same opportunities. That's what I see.
0: Right. I agree. And I feel like recently, um, just in terms of equity in education, we have been seeing a lot of issues or things being brought to light um, in terms of that topic. And oftentimes in a classroom setting, people don't feel comfortable to talk about that. Why do you think people are so hesitant to speak on topics about race, religion, or identity at school when in reality school should be a place of learning and where you should be educated on this stuff?
2: I feel like people don't really want to talk about race or like ethnicity in classes because maybe they're scared to offend someone. Maybe they're like – they don't want to get you know, canceled, canceled or whatever. They don't want anybody to – They want everybody to feel like in a comfortable, like safe space. But at the same time, in order for everybody to be in that same space, you know, we have to talk about these things that maybe you're not comfortable with.
0: I know what you mean. Yeah. I feel like sometimes the classroom, there's certain topics that I completely agree. Like when you, you're scared of like offending somebody when you want to talk about something, because I think we want to talk about it, but we also don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or make somebody feel excluded. Um, What are your thoughts on that, Mrs. Bjork?
3: Well, I think that fear is, I mean, as far as just in education and for a lot of teachers, especially because things are so sensitive right now with critical race, and um, there's a lot of fear that comes to being truly transparent and allowing yourself to, you know, begin conversations that can create. A discomfort, and um, I've always tried to at least elicit a few of those conversations. Um, that's I, I I feel as though we need to break down some barriers, and instead of just always like learning the history, and we need to share the stories. Um, and if we share the stories, then we have insight into. You know, not just the head, but the heart. We need to learn about each other, not just, you know, historically, like the slavery legacy, but we need to hear the stories as well so that we can really um, embrace it.
1: I think that's a great point. And a great way to get to know somebody is to learn what their heart is and learn what they they represent and who they are as a person and not just their past. Um, And I I think that's really
3: important. So thank you for speaking on that. Yeah, no, I... I believe in that so much. Yeah.
0: So I know in the first episode of this podcast, we did talk a little bit about this idea of vulnerability and the importance of being in vulnerable positions to create change. And in order to make schools a more equitable place for students and teachers alike, how do you believe we can make the classroom a safe space for these open discussions about race, sexuality, and identity?
2: Well, me personally, I feel like talking about these things in class makes it more comfortable if the person that's explaining the history is like in that same group, you know what I mean? Like say, like I have a a teacher, well, she's not my teacher anymore, but I had a sociology teacher and she was African-American. And she talks a lot about like a little bit about race theory and a little bit about how like just how things come to be, like how certain, like why why things happen the way that they do, like due to social stigmas and stuff. And I noticed that like, she didn't sugarcoat a lot of the things that like, that involve people that look like me. Like she was like, you know, we have, we walk, like we talk a certain way because like, it's called like the whole lesson on code switching. She was like, I know for a fact, you don't act the same way as around me as you do around your other teachers, just cause of the way we just both look the same. And like, we, it's just a more comfortable atmosphere, you know, so. Yeah, in- involving more people that look like you in the classroom just like makes it way more comfortable to just talk about anything, really.
1: Yeah, I think there's an idea of shared experiences. For then. sure. Like you've both been through similar things and having that radical vulnerability, like being able to talk about it and have that connection and have that relationship with your teacher um, and being able to share about those shared experiences.
3: Yeah. I I think, well, I certainly am just part of that just 75% pool of white female educators. (laughs) Um, And unfortunately, there are not a lot of, you know, educators of color and diversity in their background. And I know at Grandview, we, I think we have seven either teachers and or administrators um, that are people of color. So... The kids at Grandview, the 3,000 students see white teachers predominantly. And so, therefore, um, as a woman, as a female white educator, I just feel as though I need to be as honest as I can be about how I don't know the experiences. I don't know what it's like to be a person of color, but I am so willing and Anxious to hear about it. And I think that if more educators could just own that, that they don't have to be in control of everything, um, but are just willing to learn, um, then barriers are broken down and there is less fear. And, um, you know, because right now, unfortunately, there's, I mean, there's just not enough people, like you were saying, Sanakshi, that you don't have teachers that look like you. And so, and you have one that, you know, you recall. So it's just, that's a tough one. So then, you know, it's, we just have to all own who we are and what, you know, where our level of education and empathy lies and just go from there. Yeah. Yeah. I love that idea
1: of being able to listen, and I think it's really important for adults today, especially teachers, to be able to sit down and listen to their students, because teachers, a lot of they do is teach, they talk, but being able to sit down and listen to your kids can really help, and as a student, I like it when teachers can sit down and listen to me, and I listen to them, and it it starts off that connection, so I think that's really important for teachers to be able to do.
0: Yeah. yeah. I really appreciate that and value that when teachers, even if it's like the first 10 minutes of class, take a moment to kind of reflect. I've always been the type of student that I'm not super talkative. I can be when I want to be, but I've just never felt super comfortable talking about certain things, obviously for offending anybody, feeling like isolated almost. And so I think even taking just a little bit of time to see how everyone's doing, like I know we've done in class and like reflect on just how everybody's feeling. And I think that ties back into like the whole mental health aspect. And I think it's so important for teachers to take a minute to see where kids' mental health are at and if they're really doing okay. Because sometimes on the surface level, you can't see that because on the inside, there's just always so much stress going on and, and nobody can really tell. So... I guess talking about feeling more comfortable with teachers, have you seen school districts or schools trying to like improve that or incorporate more diversity in teachers and that staff?
3: Um, well, I will say that as uh, the years have gone by, there was a, a progression of um, culturally relevant education included and now we are, unfortunately, I think, taking a few steps back. Uh, just I will speak very honestly. I think that there are some districts around Cherry Creek that are taking particular pieces of literature off, you know, off the shelves. And not, again, so in fear that we guilt trip our white children that we're—, we're, we're whitewashing education a little bit back. Um, and so then the conversations are more difficult to have. We need to use an anchor text like I just I did part-time Indian with my sophomores and just let that begin the conversations um, that were, yeah. But unfortunately, a lot of those texts are, are getting taken off right now. And Douglas County, I'll just say, is, you know, parents want to run the curriculum. And I am all for parents being part of the voice of their students' education, but just instead of just deciding that what they know is right, just maybe, again, working together more collaboratively.
0: I think over the course of the years, um, I've probably read more books from... Like I know this year, I'm just going to give examples because I remember them. Like we've read Nickel and Dimed and Their Eyes Were Watching God and Narrative of the Life of Frederick Douglass that incorporates female and black authors. And I feel like that's been like such a shift in perspective because I'm not much of a reader, I'll be honest, but I think I've been a lot more invested in these books because they are of a different background. And I don't feel like I am just reading the story again, of a white man, although there's nothing wrong with that. But I do feel like incorporating that diversity and those perspectives are really what we're looking for. So how do you believe schools could better incorporate that into their curriculum? Or is there a way that we can see that changing in the future?
2: My school actually is uh, doing a thing right now. We just had a little survey poll that was like, so the classes that I had uh, mentioned, the sociology class, um, it's not required. And like, it teaches you, like, more things than you would know, like, about, like, social things and, like, race things. And, like, they're they're putting on, like, a little thing to see, like, like, did you actually like this class? Like, did you learn this? Would you recommend it to, like, somebody? And, like, everybody that I know that was in that class was like, yeah, you guys should definitely take the class. Like, it gives you a good perspective on, like, life and, like, in general, like, things that are going on and, you know, just really life in general, to be honest. So, yeah.
3: What was the name of that class? It was, was a
2: sociology class. A
3: sociology
2: yeah. class. Yeah, wow. that and sounds I, great. It was also a psychology too, because um, now we're talking more about mental health in school, like like psychology really helped me like understand like yo why I feel this certain way. Like especially now that kids after the pandemic are like, yeah. So like a psychology class is kind of what you need. Like at first I'm not gonna lie, like I was getting anxiety attacks left and right because I was like, bang. I didn't know that had a name for that, and I'm like, yo, now I know how to deal with this. You know what I'm mean? saying? Because like, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. And that all goes back to just, you know, being educated and then having opportunities to really discuss it and make it yours. And that it sounds like sociology and psychology. It's, I love that stuff. And that's why it goes so great with literature. I mean, because I love to just birdwalk off the text and then talk about how it in, is incorporated in our lives, you know, in our society and in, our own hearts and brains. Yeah.
1: That's why I love literature because it I feel like it just creates a bridge. You know, we're able to take something that was written like 200 years ago related to today and start a conversation about things that are happening today. And when we're able to open up and share and have that vulnerability with our teachers and our fellow classmates, I think a lot of positive change and positive conversations can come out of that. So I think literature is a great way Personally, I think Lecture is a great way to start that conversation.
0: I think it's been interesting, especially like, I think following COVID, we have seen so many people come out and speak about topics that have been deemed extremely controversial. And I think, honestly, that's been great because that is really what we've needed to see to a certain extent. But I feel like in terms of the classroom, I completely agree where we have taken almost a few steps back, where teachers, like anytime something controversial about race or critical race theories ever brought up in a classroom, they immediately ignore it as if it never happened and move on, which almost I feel like that's even more awkward because you avoided a topic of discussion that was so important and that students could really have gotten something out of. and gone back to class, which to a certain extent, I mean, I understand we have to go over our class material, but I think sometimes it's important to take a step back and see what your students
3: really need. Yeah. I had an experience this year that was really um, uncomfortable because I had a few students in one of my classes when I was teaching um, Sherman Alexis book, uh, Part-Time Indian, and we were discussing race and assimilation and bigotry. And the kids were, were. I was writing down what the kids were saying. And one of the words that was, one of the phrases was um, white privilege. And a student took a picture of that and brought it home. And um, then that was all misconstrued. And I had like 200 unhappy parents that were not not my not my students but then they posted it on Facebook look what mrs bjork is doing to our kids she's teaching that whites have privilege and that they should be guilty and it was so uncomfortable and and sad that a conversation that i used to be able to have and embrace people are are not wanting to have those conversations in school. And, yeah. So
1: many things get taken out of context, and that happens when you're not, like, fully listening. So it also has to go back on the students where they need to, like, sit down and listen to what the teacher is saying, and that's where that conversation comes from.
3: Absolutely. And I think that, you know, they are more than willing. I think they're eager to have conversations like that. Now, I think that, again, the climate's changed to a certain degree and some kids are coming into the classroom with, you know, an ideology that their parents are, you know, sharing. But I have always found that if you open up the door and there's no judgment, kids will share, you know. Um, And it's just, when I'm not, When I am not facilitating, I mean, I might be part of the conversation, but I'm not the one dominating when the kids are, like, just running the show are the best learning moments for all of us. All of us, for sure. Yeah. I love that.
1: A lot of counter-arguments coming from having these conversations is the classroom's a place only for learning and teaching. Like, students have to just sit there and soak up everything a teacher's throwing at them. Devonta, as a student, how would you respond to classrooms are a place only for learning, not having these conversations?
2: I think it really depends on the teacher and the the community that she's built around the classroom because it all starts day one, you know what I mean? Like, as you walk into the classroom, first, like, first... Impressions. Yeah, I was going to say expections. First impressions are like everything, especially in the classroom. Like you walk in and you see your teachers just like on her computer all day and like just like do this work. And you're probably not going to feel like a sense of community in the the classroom. But, you know, you come in and the teacher's like, hey, how are you doing? High five. You know what I'm saying? Then you're like, yo, she's digging me. Okay, that's nice. Like she she cares about her students, you know what I mean, at least. And like it's just, it's just all about the teacher really. But for sure, I feel like the classroom is just like – a place for students really to like grasp ideas off each other really. Cause like, like say somebody says like, yo, one plus one is two. And I'm like, yo, two times two is four. And like whole thing keeps <laughs> going. You know what I mean? It's just like a whole like discussion now. Like, yo, we're learning off each other. And like, that's for sure. Like my bad, I didn't mean above the table, but for sure. That's like, um, <laughs> it's like, it's all about the, the, the teachers. Like,
3: Yeah. And unfortunately, I mean, the fact is that right now there aren't, at least from my conversations with kids, that there aren't a lot of teachers that are necessarily willing to take the time out for fear of making kids uncomfortable, which brings us right back to the beginning of the conversation, you know, for fear of making kids uncomfortable or just their lack of comfort in doing that. And I just wish we had more to answer your question I think, how do we do this? We just need more really rich, deep training um, amongst educators, for educators, professional learning opportunities to be, um, to manage those conversations. Because right now, it's just a matter of like, you get the teacher who, you know, just digs you, but there's not a lot of those right now. I mean, I will say, there's not, it's not the majority There are a lot of cool teachers that kids love at Grandview, um, but it's just not – there's not enough.
0: I see. And then going off of – I know you talked about like the teacher training, and I'm actually wondering since I've never seen what that, I guess, includes. Are teachers trained on how to approach topics such as like race or sexuality or identity?
3: We've had several professional learning opportunities. We've done um, some – A couple years ago, we did culturally relevant um, groups, but because some, it just was not very meaningful, Um, because again, teachers come in with their own ideas and weren't willing to share. I was lucky enough to be in a group with... Three of our seven, I was Mr. Baird and um, Desmond Davis and Jasper Armstrong. So they, it was an incredibly rich experience for me. But, you know, again, it's just, it's limited. And we do a lot of great, we have books that we read. And like, for example, we read Stamped and we have the teachers. But now you can't even bring up that book. That's like three years since then, you know, because Jason Reynolds called it like it was, and you, you know, I've used some excerpts from the book, and now it's just a different. We need more we need more formal, engaging, really heartfelt training. Yes, and I don't know what that looks like exactly because of the clientele. You know, just some teachers are just not interested in being part of that either, you know.
0: This might be a really direct observation, but do you believe there's a reason why we see more diversity in CP classes or like ethnic studies classes or black lit that we have at our school or what we're going to have next year in women's studies as opposed to AP classes that are primarily white students?
2: I'm in in a lot of concurrent enrollment classes. It's just like kind of like AP and like I've noticed in my class, like I'm kind of not kind of, there's usually like at least two other black people in the class, but like usually I'm like one of the only black people in the class and like those classes that are more like driven towards like ethnic studies or like how like like or like sociology is just like the curiosity really because like I feel like minorities maybe are a little more inclined to learn about, you know, the people that look like them or like the people that might kind of look like them or, you know, just the people in their neighborhood, you know, even that, like just like why did they do this or why does this happen, you know, just, yeah.
3: Yeah, no, I... I totally agree, and I think that also, yeah, as an AP teacher, as a teacher who has taught CP, um, and there is an incredibly different dynamic. And I don't think for lots of different reasons that we are encouraging, I mean, we try, but we're not encouraging particularly African-American kids to take those higher level classes or they don't want to take them because they are two out of 30 kids of color in that class. And so that has to be, again, I don't know what that feels like. But when you walk in a room and you are different than everybody else and you think, you know, the, the stigma of white is, you know, smart or something, it's just that I think that that's also a trend that we're having a hard time breaking, you know.
0: Of course. And I wanted to just close off the conversation a little bit with our call to action to understand what we want to see in the future. So how do you see students and teachers working together to create a more equitable education for everyone?
2: I feel like the teachers just need to, well, not need, I feel like they should feel more inclined to teach more, S- sensitive topics and I feel like students should be more inclined to just learn, be more open-minded. I feel like that's really all we need. is just like, just listen, you know, like if you don't like it, it's okay. You know what I mean? You can, you can, you can rant about it on Twitter. You feel me? But like, as long as you listen and like take something from it, like, I feel like that's all that really matters.
3: I agree with you completely. And I think that we all just need to let our guard down Um And be willing to share. And, you know, instead of, I mean, again, the responsibility goes back to the kids as well. Like, just not go in the room and say, well, I'm not going to say anything and I'll just, you know, I'm going to keep to myself. But if we could just, if we could just really all be willing to listen to each other, it just always goes back to, it seems so simple, but, you know, I just feel as though we would be, you know, we'd listen to each other's stories, and we understand each other's history, and we realize we're a lot more the same than we are different, um, and that we can learn from one another. You know, it sounds like pie-in-the-sky stuff right now, but that I just think that that is it. But again, how to make that happen in every classroom, in every school, in the country is a challenge, yeah, for sure.
0: Of yeah. course.
1: Such an important call out is like, we just need to be able to listen. And that's such an important part of being a leader. And as a leader, you can walk into that classroom, teacher or student, and just start that trend of listening. And if you touch one person and one other person starts listening, it starts the domino effect. So I think that's that's some great call outs. Thank you guys so much.
0: I appreciate both of you coming to speak with us on the podcast today. So thank you so much, Mrs. Bjork and Devante. Of course. It's been a pleasure. In today's episode, I really enjoyed talking to my teacher, Mrs. Bjork, and uh, Devante. They both brought up such important points about equity in education, and I believe currently... Even though we might have taken several steps forward, there is still so much that is needed to be worked on in the classroom environment. I'm hoping one day I can see a South Asian teacher, somebody that I feel comfortable going to and opening up to because until I see that background, I feel like I will never feel 100% like myself as I do with when I'm around my friends or somebody that I 100% fully trust. So I feel like that representation is necessary in order for change to occur in the classroom.
1: I agree. I think those are some great points and there there has been steps taken, right? And like Miss Bjork said, there's certain counties that kind of don't go all the way and they're not taking those steps. So getting everybody to work together and getting everybody to Start being vulnerable and start listening, I think is so important because when when I can connect with a teacher, it's because they were vulnerable with me and we just started that listening, um, going back and forth, talking freely and openly and trusting each other. And that's where I could establish that connection with my teachers. But when we don't have teachers who do that, I mean, you can't really connect with them when you're seeing those people day after day for pretty much an entire year i mean you want to connect with them and students students want to make that connection with their teacher and yet sometimes it's very difficult too so i think being able to open up listen and be vulnerable
0: is very important yeah and i hope in the future that the conversation that we had today can be ha- had in classrooms all across the us and not just in colorado but in every district and every school, because I feel like when every student and every teacher takes a moment to be vulnerable, there's so much change that can happen. Thank you so much for listening to our conversation with Mary Kay Bjork and Devonte Parker. If you're interested in learning more about our guests, you can find more information on the CYL website. Today's episode of Generation Collaboration was engineered by Devonte Parker and Akello Stallings and edited by David Layden. Our theme song, Find It, was recorded at Youth on Record by Esme Patterson and members of the Youth on Record community. Generation Collaboration is produced by David Layden and Lauren Steve Pack. Generation Collaboration is a co-production of Colorado Young Leaders and Youth on Record. Learn
1: more about Colorado Young Leaders at ColoradoYoungleaders.org or on Instagram and TikTok at coyoungleaders. You can learn more about Youth on Record and their programs at youthonrecord.org and on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Youth On Record. Support from our podcast comes from Civico, an organization activating civic-minded leaders across Colorado. Learn more at livecivico.org. Thank you again for listening to Generation Collaboration. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. You can listen to this podcast on Colorado Young Leaders' website, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until then, I'm Sanakshi. And I'm Brayden. And we will see you next time on Generation Collaboration.